I was, um, some of you will remember this story. I was sick the Christmas of 2013, a lot. <laughs> um, I came down with some kind of a stomach flu on Christmas Eve, and I dealt with that for a couple days, and then I moved on to some sort of horrible, headachy, head cold flu type of thing. And anyhow, it was because of that illness that I was traveling south on South Dakota Highway 83 on a Thursday. Deanna's uncle had passed away the week before, and she and our two older daughters had uh, gone down in advance, Autumn and Cynthia, to help in preparation for the wake and the funeral. And I stayed behind with the younger ones to see if I could rest and feel a bit better before taking off. And it was the three of us, Bella, Kella, and I, that witnessed the inside of a fateful, a fatal automobile accident on that day. The roads were snow-packed. Um, Bella and Kella were just waking up. We were driving the minivan. They were in the, the far back seat for whatever reason. I don't remember why, but they were, they were just kind of sleeping because we had left um, early in the morning. They were just waking up from the early morning drive, and we were driving south. We were heading to Mission. We were coming up behind this slow-moving Kia Optima that had just gotten back on the road again after moving over to the shoulder to allow about five to, car, five to six cars to pass. I had just uh, witnessed that. I had just seen that. He's a, it, it appeared that the driver just wasn't very confident uh, or very comfortable in driving in the winter conditions. He was driving extra slow to compensate. I think the license plate said California, if I remember right. Um, and from the other direction, uh, coming north towards us, I saw a snow plow. And I saw the, the, you know, the, the kicking up this big cloud of snow powder as he was clearing the road. And I saw the, the Optima drive into the cloud, and I followed. I was probably about five seconds behind. And um, what came next is a scene that felt like it could have come from a movie. Um, initially, all I heard was just this screeching sound, this, this loud, almost deafening just sound of broken like metal, uh, like metal noises, and then all these car parts started flying everywhere. It was, it was like a scene from The Matrix. It seemed like everything started going in slow motion. And, and I, the girls were screaming from the back seat, and they asked if we were in an accident, and the, the debris was just thick. Um, the sounds were loud, and all I could think about in that moment, in that initial moment, was how in the world are we not getting pummeled? All this stuff was just flying right past us. And all of that happened in seconds before I saw this large, white F-150 Ford truck sliding horizontally directly towards us. It was, it, was, it was sideways, and it was coming directly towards us. And, you know, I, I was bracing myself for impact. I, I was tensing up, preparing to steer out however I could out of the way of this impending um, disaster that seemed inevitable. But we never felt the impact not from debris, not one piece of debris that I remember even touched our car. And I thought that I had immediately, uh, you know, all of this happened, but this truck that was right in front of us, it was, it was coming like this, and all of a sudden it went like this. And it was, like a, it was almost like a snowplow was in front of us clearing the road, clearing the debris, clearing, clearing the impending doom. The truck, which had been so close, too close, like almost to the point of impact, too close for comfort, all of a sudden just jerked forward. It was almost like something pushed it out of the way 
And it was as if, in a, you know, just in an invisible hand, it was just unbelievable. And what happened next is hard to say because I thought I had, a, I thought I had pulled over after driving safely through the debris. But when I called 911 to report the accident, I told them that I was at mile marker 35. And I found out that the wreckage had happened at mile marker 30. So I had driven for five miles. I must have been in a little bit of a state of shock. Um, when I did that, driving an additional five miles before pulling over, the operator took my information and let me know that they would contact me again if they had any other questions. Unfortunately, the driver of the Kia didn't survive. And so I come out on the, the other end of this. I came out of it with tears. I was heading to a funeral anyways, but tears, tears of joy and tears of, of, of loss. I'm thankful for a God that cleared the path of, of destruction for us and gave us safe passage. And at the same time, I'm also thankful for a God that comforts those who mourn. And I can only imagine the pain and the confusion and the, the loss that the family members of the deceased uh, were feeling. So I just know that as I attended the funeral that day of, of Deanna's uncle Kenny, I was reminded many times over of the gift of life to be cherished. And I, I held my girls a little closer that day. That Sunday, Pastor Tana got up, and I remember her sharing a scripture that talked about the God of angel armies providing uh, safety in times of peril. And she was reading it relative to the looming fiscal cliff that was happening. But all I could think about was the path being cleared for us on South Highway 83. And the amazing thing for me, too, is as soon as we had kind of gone through that experience, the song that came on the radio was the song that we sang this morning. I know who goes before me. I, I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. I can barely sing that song anymore without, you know, losing it. I just want to remind us today that whether it's, it's on the way to a funeral or you're somewhere else in life, there is a God in heaven today. And it doesn't always work out exactly the way that we hope it will the way that we've got it all scripted out. But I want to remind us today that there is a God in heaven who sees you and life is more than the natural life that we see and that there are angel armies who are doing God's will today on behalf of your life. And that if God would answer the prayer of this day, which is going to be open our eyes, that's going to be our simple response today. And he would allow us to see what's happening in the spiritual world around us, whether it's you know, on Highway 83 back in 2013 or in your minds and in your heart right now as you're sitting in this room feeling like maybe life has turned against you. That God would open our eyes to see that he is on the scene, that his angels are present and they are doing his will and that his purpose cannot be thwarted in our life. And if our eyes are open, he's going to produce in us, he's going to forge in us a more defiant faith, the kind of faith that is anchored in the mighty gale, the kind of faith that radiates hope in the darkest night, our goal from, that we set for us for last week for this series. Because the world doesn't need noonday faith. The world doesn't need, I won the lottery faith. <laughs> the world doesn't need, we scored in the final three minutes faith. The world wants to see that illuminated confidence that when everything seems to have turned against us, we still are anchored in a faith to the almighty God. We have a defiant faith in the face of trouble, not a deflating faith in the face of trouble. And that's what God is believing for you and believing for me even today. 
So, all right, 2 Kings chapter 6, we see this unfold in a really amazing way. So this series is called Even Though. And so what we're saying is even though the night is dark, last week I, I still praise my God. Anybody take that step this week when things turn dark and you're still able to keep your eyes on Jesus and still able to worship him? So even though, and we're going to see an even though in the middle of this story today. And here's what's happening to set it up just a little bit. The prophet Elijah has been taken up to heaven in a cloud. And he's been given a double portion. Of, he's given a double portion of his blessing to the prophet Elisha. Now, Elisha now is the voice of God, the prophet of God in Israel. And so let's stand as we read this this morning, picking up the story in verse 8. I'll read it for you, or you can follow along on the screen or in your scripture. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, the man of God who we're talking about is Elisha. He sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on guard in such a place. So you're with the story so far. The kingdom of Aram is attacking the king of Israel, but every time that he gets a plan together and sets it up, there's an ambush that's set up somehow, and the king of Israel gets tipped off and, and stays away from that place. And so the king of Aram is not too happy about it. Let's keep on reading verse 11. This enraged the king of Aram, and he summoned his officers, and he demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. In other words, somebody in the cabinet is leaking some information. Now, we wouldn't know anything about that in this day of age, of course, but apparently there was a leaker at the top level of the king of Aram's government. But someone challenges him and says, verse 12, none of us, my lord and king, says one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Father God, I just ask that you would speak to us clearly this morning. God, give me a voice to just to speak your word clearly this morning. Um, we want to hear from you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Now, this is something that maybe you've thought about. You know, you've got, we've got Alexa in the house now, and you're, and you're kind of wondering, right? Well, maybe somebody's listening to our conversations. People are afraid, you know, of, of the corporate government, or a corporation or a government can hack into your phone and and turn the speaker on uh, or into your computer. Well, that's kind of what's happening with Elisha. He's getting information. He's getting intelligence, if you will, knowledge from God about the conversations of the king of Aram. So he, he goes to the king of Israel and he says, hey, here's their plans. And then they react accordingly. So once the king of Aram is told this, the next sentence makes no sense to me. He hears my very words in my bedroom. He's told this. And so now, this is going to be my plan. Verse 13 is what he does. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. Anybody with me so far? Think about it. If he hears you in your bedroom, bro, you're not going to capture him. <laughs> right? So the report comes back, and it says he's in Dothan. The Arameans were in what is present-day Syria, and they're attacking the northern region of the people of God in the, in the kingdom of Israel. And so they find out that Elisha is in Dothan. So it says he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surround the city. So now can we all just stop for a moment and bring this up to speed 
in our personal lives. This series is being brought to you, I believe, at this time and in this moment by God because somebody in this moment feels like you've been surrounded in your life. Some circumstances showed up in the night and surrounded you in your life. Maybe it's a situation at work that started out with you and a coworker, and now it's escalated to you and maybe three or four people at work. Um, you feel like everybody's uh, against you. The management, your coworkers, you know, the people in the field office, they're all against you. The board is against you. And now it seems like every time you show up at work, it's like it's you against the world. Um, or maybe it's a family situation or somebody in your family is twisting every one of your words. Um, they're, they're doubting all of your motives. They're sowing discord everywhere that they can. They're trying to turn people against you at every opportunity you get. And you can't go anywhere without people saying, well, I heard this and I heard that. It's like fake news, right? They're, they're telling everybody about you and it's not the correct story. But it's traveling as fast as they go. Fake news, bad news travels really quickly. And all of a sudden, everybody knows, and you know it's not the real story. Now, I don't know if there's anybody in our gathering today that feels like life has sort of closed in on you and surrounded you like the king of Aram um, showed up overnight, and you were just cruising along, trying to be faithful, doing your thing, raising your family, going to work, being who God called you to be. And all of a sudden, it was like horses and chariots came in the middle of the night and surrounded me. Well, this message, and I can, I can say this with all the confidence in the world, is for you. All of us are going to need this message in a future moment, <laughs> um, but somebody needs this message today. And here it comes in this story right now. So they, they went there to Dotham, and it says, with a strong force, and they went there by night, and they surrounded the city. This is the way it works. People that are trying to undermine you they work at night, don't they? they? They don't show up in the middle of the day and call a meeting and stand up in front of everybody and speak their case. Um, they work around the fringes. You know what I'm talking about, right? They, they work around the edges. They lurk in the corners. Um, they have the, the little conversations with people. They build up their case over time. And they're working from the back and from the sides. And they try to undermine who you are and what you're about. And you could have spent your entire lifetime building a certain reputation and building a certain, uh, becoming this, you know, the person who you are. But all of a sudden, something went wrong and, and somebody, uh, and, and, and now there's all this conversation happening and they're in and, and then they surround you. And so they, look what happens in verse 15. It says, when the, servant, when the servant of Elijah got up and they went out early the next morning, an army with the horses and chariots had surrounded the city, what does he say? He says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? So the servant reports immediately to Elijah that while we were sleeping last night, the armies of Aram showed up and they've got us surrounded. What are we going to do? Is his response. And then Elijah responded and here comes the defiant faith if you're watching for it. He says, what does Elijah say? Don't be afraid. So I'm going to ask you, the day when you are surrounded, when the enemy closes in on you, when people make war against you, why shouldn't you be afraid? Let's keep on going. Elijah is going to help us see the answer. This is what he says to his servant. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So maybe it is all the people at the office or all the people in the neighborhood or all the people in your family, your two closest friends have somehow gotten sideways, or, or maybe it's your business partner or the mediator, or maybe you're in court right now and some fake news has been brought up against you. But here's the real news. Are you ready for it? Those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Amen. Now the servant, I'm sure, was confused when he hears this because he is okay, but wait a minute, it's you and it's me, and I'm looking around and there's a lot of them, right? <laughs> He's not getting the math like me and you and a lot of them. So how does that add up, Elisha? And, and me and you are greater than all of them? I don't get it. And then here comes the prayer. Are you ready for it? Elisha, he says, open the eyes of my servant. Wow. I love that. What a prayer. This is a prayer that God is praying for you and me today, by the way. And then I think Elijah was just like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. And God answered that prayer. So he, no, he didn't open these eyes because these eyes were already open and these eyes were seeing all the people that were surrounding them. They'd already done the math. They'd already comprehended the circumstance and they'd already said, this is not good. But when his spiritual eyes opened up, everything changed. His eyes were open and God answered the prayer. The Lord opens a servant's eyes. Can we just say this together? The Lord opens a servant's eyes. Say that with me. The Lord opened the servant's eyes. One more time. The Lord opened the servant's eyes. Why are we saying this together? So that you'll know that your friend can't open your eyes. I can't open your eyes. The judge can't open your eyes. Your brother can't open your eyes. Sitting over coffee with somebody can't open your eyes. Trying to read and get some information can't open your eyes. The only one that can open your eyes to see what you need to see so that you can be defiant no matter what is God Almighty. And your prayer today and my prayer today is, Lord, will you open my eyes? I can preach until I've got no voice left today. It's already almost there. <laughs> we can lead songs of worship until we're out of songs today. But that cannot open your eyes. So your prayer, if you have grace for it today, would be, God, would you open my eyes to see? And, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So the servant knew in a heartbeat when he saw this, this is God's man. This is, this is God's man for God's time and God has surrounded him. I looked and I saw horses and chariots on fire. These are God's chariots. These are supernatural chariots. These chariots are, are manned by angel armies of Almighty God. And yes, the Arameans have got us surrounded, but hello, Almighty God's got them surrounded. I, I can't shout today, so you got to do it for me. So we're all surrounded right now by a God who sees us and who's on the scene in this moment. 
So there are three things, and I want to encourage us with this today, that would happen if we have eyes of faith. These are the three simple things that I'm praying for us today. If you feel like you're in a fight for your life, number one, that you will see. We already talked about that. Our prayer today is, God, let me see. Because right now, you're, we, we have this propensity to argue. We're going to have a rebuttal. You know, we're going to say, Sean, that sounds great. You know, and I'm glad that that worked out for Elijah. You know, weird things happen to the prophets in the Old Testament, right? Where they'd call down fire from heaven and, you know, all kinds of weird stuff. And they'd go up into heaven in clouds of fire. So that's all great and all good for them. But you don't know my circumstance. You know, I got, I got ripped off by such and such. And, and this is the terms and this is the deal. And if someone, uh, something doesn't happen by next Friday at 3.30, you know, these are going to be the consequences. And we're looking with our natural eyes, right? And blah, 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 blah. You're going to start rationalizing and arguing and positioning and posturing. And no one can stop that unless God in his grace opens your eyes. So now that doesn't sound, uh, that doesn't mean that you don't have a plan. That, that, that just means that you have a completely new viewpoint on the situation. It doesn't mean that you just go and say, well, I'm going to be in the back, you know, having a nap. Let me just know how everything works out. Um, it, just mean that it just means that your viewpoint changes. And if I could be so bold today, some of you just need to stop talking, need to start praying that God would open your eyes. Because you're talking your way down into a hole and talking everybody else into a hole. And God wants to open your eyes and see that there are angel warriors around you right now as a son or daughter of God. And they're on the hillside right now and they're at the ready and you're not in it by yourself and you're not alone. It's not the world against you. It's God surrounding you and everybody who's against you in the story. The number one thing today is God, let me see. The second thing I want us to see today is that when we see that fuels our belief. Faith is the result of being able to have spiritual understanding. And that spiritual understanding we know comes from digging into God's word, getting informed on God's character and understanding God's vantage point on the situation. And so the first thing we're asking for today is sight. The second thing that's the result of sight is belief. And what's the belief? Our belief is in two things. Number one, that God's got me. He's got us. And number two, that God's purposes are not going to be thwarted in this moment. He's got me and his purposes aren't going to be thwarted. Psalm 27, David's taught, David understands this. David's on the run and his life goes sideways, not at his doing, but Saul's doing. And he's, he's running for his life. He's fearful. He's being attacked. He's being falsely accused. Um, he's being sought out for... Uh, and sought after and listen to what he writes listen to what he says he says the Lord is my light and my salvation so whom shall I fear what a simple statement you know the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation so yeah these look like these guys look like they've got it out for me you know I'm not going to be afraid of them and now this is easier said than done trust me you know you've been there but what a, what a great posture of defiant faith. The Lord is my light and the, the Lord is my salvation. So who am I going to fear? What, these guys? These guys? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. And we're going to see that back in 2 Kings in just a minute. 
But look at verse 3. It says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Even though. Even though war break out against me, I will be confident. Even though a war breaks out against me, I will be confident. I will have a defiant faith in the middle of it all. How? Because he's got Jesus in view. And he understands that God is in the equation. His eyes are open first. And it says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, can we take just a moment? This is kind of what we talked about last week. You know, some of you are like, okay, this is good. You know, I've got a friend who needs to hear this. Or I've got a coworker who's going through a hard time or my mom's really up against it right now. Or, you know, this person or that person. Listen, I'm telling you, let's get prepared for the trial that we're not in yet. Um, you may feel like, you know, I'm not going to get any re- in, in any trials. I reject that in Jesus' name. Thank you. You know, everybody else in the row can receive that. But I reject that in the name of Jesus. Except that Jesus, whose name you're calling on, said, in this world, you will have trouble. Well, I reject that, Jesus, in your name. <laughs> I do not receive that, Jesus, in your name. I will not have trouble. I will, I will not speak trouble or receive trouble or accept trouble in your name, even though you're the one that said, I'm going to have trouble. <laughs> the thing about Jesus, though, is that he wasn't focusing on the trouble. He was focusing on the victory. And this is what he says about it. He says, in this world, you're going to have some trials. You're going to have some trouble. You're going to have some armies, and you're going to be besieged. And you're going to be surrounded at some point by some circumstances or some situation. But don't lose heart when that happens. Don't have a deflating faith when that happens. Why? Because I have overcome the world. So whatever you're in, I've overcome that. Whatever you're facing, I'm bigger than that. Whatever struggles you're up against, I'm the God of the struggle. I'm the God of the day and the God of the night. And I've got angel armies. But not only are there angel armies, there's me, Jesus Christ, in the story. So you're going to have some hard times. So right now, don't go, man, I don't even want to think about the hard times. You know, everything's just going to be smooth sailing. Instead, let's ask him, prepare me, deepen my faith, fortify in me a greater faith. So when the day comes, I'm going to have a greater confidence in you. And how do you do that? You get in the house of God with the people of God. You get your eyes on God. You behold God. You meditate on God. You learn more about God. You pursue God. You build a relationship with God in the good times. And that's how you make it through the hard times. This is how you don't hit the eject button at sunrise in Dotham. And say, oh, goodness, look who showed up last night. Thanks a lot for that, God. I'm out now. (laughs) You go, open our eyes to see. And they showed up that night, but you were already here. (laughs) They just walked right into your camp, thinking that they were going to set up camp around us. And they did. But they just rolled right up into God's camp where he was already surrounding his people. So this is how defiant faith is born. Look at what he says. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, the only thing do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Why? Verse 5. 
For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And then, somebody should give a little amen here, my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. So at the end of the day, God's going to prove, hey, my heart was right. My motives were pure. I wa- it wasn't fake. You know, I wasn't fake news. <laughs> I was just being me, trying to be faithful, trying to do the right thing the whole time. And now God has vindicated me. And he's exalted my head up above the enemies. And so the result of that is going to be at his sacred tent. I will sacrifice with such a joy and I will sing and make music to the Lord. First thing. God, let me see. So as I see, I can believe. Believe that God's got me, that I'm surrounded by God, not by them. And number two, that God's purposes can't be thwarted in the situation. So I'm not in charge of the outcome of this situation. God, you are. And if, if life's going to go off the rails and go haywire and go down the tubes and, and that's up in the air because I'm not managing the world, but you are. But I believe, based on scripture, that no plans of yours can be thwarted. That's Job's final conclusion. After all the stuff that he went through, after losing it all, Job chapter 42, verse 2, he says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You start telling your God things like that, you're going to see your heart change. And I believe you're going to see God move in your story. That's defiant faith, and it's faith that pleases God. So God, everything looks haywire. Everything looks dark. The whole armies of Aram has surrounded us in the night, but no plan of yours can be thwarted. No purpose of yours can be stopped. Nothing that you plan for me can be derailed by these jokers. You are the God of my life and not them. And you've got us all surrounded today. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. See and believe. I'll tell you there's a third thing in here that's a bit of a curveball. And that it's just... It's just when we see and when we believe, it gives us the posture and the possibility to bless and not curse those who are against us. I didn't expect an amen there. (laughs) But look what happened when the eyes of the servant were opened and he saw the horses and the chariots of fire all around Dothan as the enemy came down towards them. Elisha prayed again to the Lord. And this is a prayer that I believe that we can pray. Now stay with me. He says, strike the enemy with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, Maggie over there in the office has been really on my nerves. Make her blind, Lord. That's not it. You're like, well, I already tried it. It didn't work. (laughs) So God struck the army with blindness and here they come. But it's like they, they don't understand. We don't know if they literally can't see or if they're walking so somehow they can see something. But I think what happened is that somehow their understanding was veiled because they're still coming like we're coming to, to come and get Elisha. We're heading down into Dothan. Is this Dothan? Because we're on our way to Dothan. And so watch this. Watch this in scripture. It says, Elijah told them. This is, by the way, I think Star Wars told this. From, from the script, right from the pages of the Bible, he's doing the, the force thing because this is what he says. This is not the road and this is not the city. He, he totally used the force on him, the Holy Spirit. He says, follow me and I will lead you to the man that you are looking for. And then he led them to Samaria. 
So why did he do that? Because that's where the armies of Israel were. And so after they had entered the city, Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. So then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they, they were inside, inside Samaria. Open them, close them, open them, close them. These are the kind of prayers I believe that we could pray. God, open my friend's eyes to see you, Jesus. Open my friend's eyes to see how much you love them. Open my friend's eyes to see the power of the cross. Open my friend's eyes to see how beautiful you are, God. And then when your enemies surround you, God closes people's eyes. Confuse these people. Align these people. God, protect us from their intent and their evil ways. And then when people get to a posture where all of a sudden things are going to be revealed, open their eyes. And so it's closed, it's open, it's closed, it's open. It's God reveal and show them what's going on here. So he opened their eyes and they looked and they're inside Samaria. And they were like, oh, this is not where we were headed and now we're surrounded. You know, we came to surround the man, but now we're surrounded by Israel. So the king of Israel sees this and he's like, this worked out absolutely perfect. And he says, with, you know, uh, what's, what some of us would have said. He comes to Elijah and he says, shall I kill them? And then he repeats it because he's losing his mind. He says, shall I kill them? And he's thinking, please say yes. Because look, all they've been doing is attacking us and raiding us and plotting, excuse me, and plotting against us and planning their ways and scheming. And they've been setting booby traps and ambushes for us week after week, time after time. And they're trying to undermine us and kill us. So shall we kill them, Elijah? What does Elijah say? Do not kill them. Would you kill those that you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. Go back to their master with what is the question, right? This is weird. You know, we don't know what happened. We ended up in the wrong town. Um, we ended up surrounded by Israel and the king had his sword out and we could have all lost our lives. But then they made us a meal. They made us a meal and it was weird. Then they said, we should come back and we should tell you, king. So here we are. Keep on reading in the scripture. It says, so he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. So God's got the victory. Elisha lived and they end up blessing their enemies. You see that? They didn't curse them. And this is what happens when we see and believe. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't seek justice. It doesn't mean that you, you don't seek to get your money back where there's an opportunity to do that. It, it doesn't mean that you don't take steps and measures to put boundaries in your life. It doesn't mean that you just walk around and go, oh, I'm so happy that you tried to kill me. You know, that's awesome. You want to go to dinner? That's not, that's not it. It says, no, I've got to open my eyes. Let me see that you're bigger than them. Let me see that you've got me surrounded. Let me see that somehow you're going to work in the middle of all of this. <laughs> I get all of this, but I'm not going to buy a dinner for these jokers. And I get that. And if there needs to be a healthy boundary set up in a relationship, then put it there. But if we can find a way to bless them and not curse them, you're going to prove to them that you are a man or a woman of great faith. You're like, why would I want to do that? Why wouldn't I just want to kill him? Lord, blind him. Ah! <laughs> you know, 
Why wouldn't I just want to do that? Well, because this is the way of the gospel. And if somebody didn't do that for me, I wouldn't be here speaking to you today. God chose not to kill me when I was his enemy. He, he chose instead to serve me the bread of life. He chose, he chose not to kill me when I was against him. And he chose to kill his son so that I could be with him. And this is the bedrock of my faith. It's the soil on which I stand and which my existence is, is that God did not curse me when I was his enemy, but he blessed me when I was his enemy. And he opened my eyes when I was his enemy to see that he was actually for me so that then I could believe in the God who has given his very best for me. And so it's not crazy to think that in life when someone comes against us, when an enemy and camps around us and an army besiege us that we would look for ways to bless them and not curse them. We will look for a way to buy their dinner instead of cutting their heads off. As a testimony that we believe that God's got us and we believe that God's plans cannot be thwarted, I believe that kind of faith is the most powerful faith of all. It's defiant faith. So just to take you to, to maybe the best place to park, Let's go to, to Matthew 26, the day of the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. It's the end of the line for Jesus. He's been opposed, which is crazy. He's been mocked. He's been, you know, people are plotting against him. They've tried to trap him. They've set ambushes for him, but he's managed to make it all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he died. So maybe you remember the story. Um, he goes into the garden and he says, guys, this is going to be a tough night for me. Pray for me. Hang in there with me. And he leaves some of his disciples. He takes three. He goes a little bit further. And then he goes a little bit further. And he gets down on his knees. And he prays for the possibility of heaven to break in. But he accepts the plans that he's already signed off on. And he says, not your will. Not my will, I'm sorry. But your will be done. He hears rustling in the garden. And he already knows who's coming. No one needs to inform him. There's a message from the high priest and they're coming to arrest you and the dominoes are falling and then the night's going to go quick and tomorrow you're going to be crucified. And by this time tomorrow night, you're going to be dead and buried in a tomb somewhere. He already knows all of that. So he walks toward the commotion. Lights now are coming into the dark garden and his guys are waking up groggy and sleepy and they're like, oh man, what's going on? And before you know it, there are 40 guys around Jesus, surrounded on every side. One of his followers pulls a sword, and it says in Matthew 26, he tries to, tries to kill one of the soldiers. He ends up missing, and he whacks the guy's ear off. And then Jesus says this to him. He says, put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? I mean, just one angel can stop an SUV. <laughs> I mean, they could have sent an intern angel down to stop the SUV, right? I mean, you know, a starter angel, what do you want me to do? Just stop that SUV. Oh man, can't you give me something hard to do? Right? He said, guys, look around. We are looking around. There's 40 people here. They've got clubs and weapons and torches. He says, no, look around. Open your eyes. 
You see those angels? Can you imagine this? Don't you think that all of heaven has their eye on the Son of God right now? You don't think 10,000 angels are watching my every step right now? You don't think heaven is on the edge of their seat? You don't think that all of heaven is ready for me to even wink in their direction? And in an instant evaporate this whole situation. Guys, I don't need your sword. Put that away. Oh, sorry about that, right? Guys, I'm so sorry. And I believe the seeds were planted right there in those guys' minds. We know that Roman soldiers met God at the foot of the cross the next day. And I wonder how many of the guards did the same. Because Jesus showed them defiant faith. Here's Jesus in this situation. He says, here, let me put your ear back on. Not let me whack off the other one. Or, you know, he could have, he could have just said, you know, putting on and saying, ha, see what kind of power I have. No, he didn't. He said the next line, he says, but then how would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? That's sight. See all of those angels, all I've got to do is snap and this place is done. He said, but my sight has also fueled my belief. What in? That God's got me and that his purposes cannot be thwarted. They're not going to be thwarted tonight, not by these guys. These guys are actually agents of God to do God's will tonight. These guys are a part of this salvation plan. And I'm telling you, you never thought about it before, but you should send a note of thanks to every one of the soldiers who were there in, in Gethsemane to arrest Jesus. You should send them a note, send them an email, send them a thank you and say, thank you so much for going on time that night and getting Jesus out of the garden and taking him to Caiaphas' house. Thank you so much for fulfilling your role because you are a part of God's redemption story in my life. It's all stacked up that way the whole time. And you thought you surrounded the Son of God. But you didn't know that legions of angels surrounded him. And that he was doing the will of God at the right time and the plans and purposes of God. And none of that could be stopped. Certainly not by you guys. That's defiant faith. And it allowed Jesus to hang on the cross. And say, Father, forgive them. Because they didn't know what they were doing. Would you stand with me? He was able to bless the people that were killing him and to welcome into heaven a criminal beside him because he knew what was happening around him and he was confident in his God and he could see on the cross. Even though war break out against me, I will be confident in my God and I pray that your eyes will be open today. And I pray that when that happens, that we begin to pray the right kind of prayer. So what would be a good application for you if you're in the fire being unjustly accused? Just a side note. You know, if you're being justly accused, don't call on the angel armies. <laughs> if you're at fault and an army is besieging you, don't go, Lord, I see the angel armies. No, if God's speaking to your heart, say, God, open my eyes not to see the angel armies, but to see where I'm wrong and shine light where you need to shine light and move me into the right 
And none of us are 100% pure. But if you believe that your motives are, are, are pure, your heart is pure, your intentions are pure to the best of your ability, then still ask God to open your eyes to see. Is there anything in me that I can tweak right here? I think that's the best thing to ask in moments like that is what can I learn? What can I understand? What can I change? Or what can you modify in me, God? But if, if that's not you and, and you're, you're, you're not in the wrong, you're just trying to get an army of angels to get you free from a situation, then pray to God. Will you confuse the enemy? Will you reveal motives? Will you let the truth win out in this moment and let righteousness rise up to the top, God? God, will you shine heaven's light into the circumstance and expose every wrong motive? Will you give revelation sight to the mediator and to the judge, to my neighbor, to my friend, to my boss, to my coworker? Will you give revelation sight and will you pull back the curtain on the devil so that we can see wherever he is in the situation? because maybe the people that are being used by him don't even know it. And will you expose the wrong and vindicate right in me, in them and in everybody in this circumstance? This is the prayer that God will answer for you. Not, God, kill them, destroy them. God, take them out, take them down. But no, instead, God, let truth arise. Let righteousness win out in this and through it all, give me that supernatural grace and faith to bless and to not curse. Because when that happens, this is the gospel on display. Even though war break out against me, I will be confident in my God. Thank you, Jesus. Even though war break out against me, I will be confident in my God. And God, even though it feels like we've been surrounded, even it feels like the, the enemy has taken territory, God, we know the truth. God, open our eyes to see that your angel armies surround us, that there is a whole host of army angels. <coughs> God, we thank you for your presence, for your power, for your protection, Lord, that we can put our faith in you and we can trust in you, and we can hope in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Here's what I wanna do, is I want everybody uh, in this room to pray this prayer with me. If you've, never, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life this morning, let me tell you something, there's gonna be some even though moments in your life. If you're not in them now, Jesus said there will come trouble, but it's, it's it's so much, there's something about having somebody who is faithful and it never changes to walk with you through that. So whether you're in that right now or you're yet to be, let me introduce you to somebody that will be faithful. He'll be your friend and he'll be somebody that you can put your foundation, the whole foundation of your life on you can surrender to. Now, here's something. I'm going to give you the words to pray this morning, but you've got to put the heart into it. You've got to give it, you've got to give it your heart if you know what I'm saying. So if that's you this morning, with all of us praying this prayer together, would you just pray this aloud? Say, Father God, I give you my life. I surrender my all. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me, for giving your life. 
justification for my sins. I lay down all that's within me. I surrender my life. It's yours. Be the Lord of my life. I will follow hard after you. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's celebrate this morning. Now, if you prayed that for the first time this morning, we have some altar ministry workers that are coming up and they, they'll have a, an opportunity to pray with you. Please tell them that you prayed that for the first time. If you need to resurrender your life, this is a good time to do that too. If you have any kind of prayer need, they would love to pray with you. I would encourage you to get into growth track, get into a connect group. We'll help you do that. Um, but we're so excited for uh, what God is doing in your life. For those of you that are going through an even though moment right now, pray that prayer. God, open my eyes. God, open my eyes. Give me faith that I might believe that the enemy cannot thwart your purposes and your plans in my life. Amen.